Let me uh, welcome all the parents of our bus kids. We, we appreciate so very much many of you here today, some great uh, number, Brother Jim said, and I would like to welcome you to our church. We thank you for allowing your, your kiddos to ride our buses and, and trust us with them for a little while and, and trust us to teach them and guide them in the things of the Lord. So just for a little while, I'd like to welcome all the bus kids while I get the tears and whatever else I need to get cleared out here. All right. If you would, please uh, turn with me in your Bible to the book of Luke, chapter number 19, if you would, please. And uh, we'd like to welcome all of those who joined us by way of live stream and by way of radio around the world. We're so appreciative that you've joined us, and we trust that you will be blessed today. Take your Bible today, if you would, please, to the book of Luke, chapter 19. And it's just one week uh, previous to the Lord's death on the cross. And it's what is known as the triumphant entry. We're going to let off teaching in the book of Luke for, I mean, Mark for just a day or two. And next week is Easter. And uh, we'll discover, I think I caught a rabbit in a trap the other day. And I'm seeing just how many eggs that sucker will lay in the next uh, eight or nine days, so we'll have an Easter egg hunt for all of our kiddos, right, Brother Jim? And uh, and so uh, just be praying for that rabbit that, uh, <laughs> that it all works out. I do not want to be irreligious. I do not want to uh, be uh, mundane in any way, but I'd like to preach to you today on this thought. Don't miss the circus. Don't miss the circus. Let me read for you, if you would, please. Out of the book of Luke, chapter 19. And I want to read for you these verses. I'll begin reading, if it be all right, in verse 28. And the Bible says, how many of you folk believe your Bible? I mean, you really believe it. All right. And when he had spoken, he went before ascending up to Jerusalem. And it came to pass when he was come nigh to Bethpage in Bethany at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying... Go ye into the village over against you, in the which at the you're entering in you shall find a colt tied, whereon yet never man sat. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, Why do you loose him? Thus shall you say unto him, Because the Lord hath need of him. And they that went sent their, they that were sent their way and found even as he had said unto them, and as they were loosing the colt, the owners thereof said unto them, Why loose ye the colt? And they said, The Lord hath need of him. And they brought him to Jesus, and they cast their garments upon the colt, 
and they set Jesus thereon. And as they went, they spread their clothes in the way. And when he am nigh even unto the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice for all the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed be the King that cometh in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And some of the Pharisees from among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke thy disciples. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if these should hold their peace, the stones would immediately cry out. What a time of great jubilation, a time of great celebration, a time looked forward throughout all the history of Israel. And finally, the king has arrived. The king is proclaiming himself to be king. Please turn in your Bible, if you would please, to Luke 23. And let me read two verses. Crying, Hosanna, blessed be the King, blessed be the God of Israel. Absolute jubilation. And we're talking about the same crowd. Verse 18. And they cried out at once, saying, Away with this man, and release unto us Barabbas. Verse 21. And they cried, saying, Crucify him. Crucify him. What has happened in that one short week to cause them to Change their tune. In one passage, they're happy, jubilant, shouting, praise God, hallelujah, look who's here, amen. One week later, crucify him. Crucify. There's a story about a little boy living out in the country. And he has never been to the circus. He's read about a circus. He's dreamed about a circus. And all of his young life, he's wanted to go to the circus. One day while he went to town, he saw on a wall a circus come into town. So much money for a ticket. The little boy saved and scrimped and did all he could and all he could think about for those many days from then till the circus, all he could think about was the circus. He must have lost hours of sleep. He did all the spare work he could do to find every coin he could to buy a ticket. All the great day was on its way and the circus was coming to town. He got the money. And on the day of the circus, the circus parade through town 
was on its way. He stood on edge on the curb as, as he watched the elephants and watched the animals and he saw the clowns and he saw all the magicians and everything in the world. And he was just so thrilled standing there on the curb as they drove by and he was watching with great anticipation. And when the last person in the parade walked by, the little boy walked over to him and gave him his ticket. He went home, thought he had been to the circus. He was so thrilled that he had been to the circus. The one thing in his life that he was so anxious to wait and to find and see what the circus and the little boy was so proud as he went home. Later to find out he had only been to the parade. He missed the circus. The folks in Jesus' day only saw the parade. But they missed the circus. You see, they saw a king for a day, but missed the conquering king of Calvary. You see, they saw him on Zechariah's colt, but they missed him on John's white horse of the revelation. You see, they were looking for a king on a throne. Yes, they were, to deliver them from Rome's terrible bondage. But uh, uh, Jesus was a king of righteousness, not to sit on a throne, but to hang on a cross. You see, I just believe it didn't take but one week to change their song. How long does it take the devil to change our tune? I just wonder maybe what stopped the rejoicing? What happened during that week that, that, that shut down their song, wiped away their smile, took away their joy, and left them limped, if you please, there staggering with their need unfulfilled. Kind of reminds you way a lot of folk go to church, don't it? They hear the singing, and I, you can't get much better than that. But I worked with those guys several hours. That's why they, 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 they and uh, why is all tenor singers so small? Have you ever noticed that? Just in, I'll put that in there, Trey. I don't hope you don't think anything about it. You know, you think about it. Notice, if you would, please, in the text, uh, it, it, it is so, the Bible says, notice what they had seen. In, in verse 37, and when he was come nigh, even to the descent of the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of disciples began to rejoice and praise God with a loud voice. Why were they doing that? Why were they doing that? For all the mighty works that they had, what? Seen, man, this crowd has seen the Lord Jesus do miracles, everything from turning water to wine to walking on the sea. 
They've seen him do everything, if you can imagine, uh, from feeding 5,000 to raising the dead. And here they're rejoicing and praising God. And one week later, they said, hang him on a cross. Crucified. Give us Barabbas. I wonder what stopped the shouting. What stopped the praising? What took the joy that they experience here? And now they're begging the king to crucify him. After all, they'd seen, listen to what they'd heard. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh to God the Father but by me. Do you think maybe they thought Jesus was kidding when he said, I and the Father are one? I wonder maybe if you think it was a surprise to this crowd over there when they're saying crucified. I wonder if they forgot that Jesus had said, I am the Son of God. They were looking for a king and missed the son. Isn't it amazing? I wonder why. Why are you here today? Why did you come? What do you want to see? Just a foo-foo God? A bearded grandfather that can give you you ever want? Or somebody wants to save you and change you and use you for his glory. I think 90% of the Christians, they just seen the parade. They know nothing at all about the circus. They have, all they see is the shout. They don't see the suffering. All they see is the Son of God riding on a borrowed colt in proclaiming himself to be king. They don't see him hanging on a cross dying for their sin. Uh, they, they see, if you please, him coming uh, to, to, uh, to die. They, they don't see a, a Savior. They're looking for a king to deliver them from Rome's terrible bondage. I think maybe they thought that the parade was the circus. They thought this is all there is to it. How long have you been saved? Don't raise your hand, turn a flip. Whoever convinced you that being saved was all there is to it. There's other demands by God that has died for us other than just being saved. I wonder what changed their tune. And I've got three things I noted And I'd like to give them to you. The shouting stopped because they did not recognize his purpose. They thought 
He came for one thing, but he came for another. What's Jesus for? Why did he come? If you don't need to be saved, then God made a mistake. If you can get to heaven by yourself, boy, God really created a big Lulu. If you're okay just like you are, then why did God send his only begotten son? If you can make it on your own, God was certainly awful unwise in what he did. But now just, just, just listen now. If Christ had to die, then you must be saved. There's more to it than just the parade. Could I please show you something? Look in your Bible now. If you don't get anything else, you need to get this. They didn't, they quit singing, they quit shouting. They lost it all because they did not recognize his purpose. Verse 44, look at this. I read for you now, verse 41 through 44. And when he was come near, he beheld the city and wept over it. This is Luke chapter 19, verse 42 now. Saying, if thou hadst known, even thou, at least this day, this thy day, the things which belong unto thy peace, but now they are hid from thine eyes. For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench around about thee and compass thee round and keep thee in on every side and shall lay thee even with the ground and thy children within thee and they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation they lost their shout they lost their joy they changed their mind because they did not recognize his purpose notice this phrase in verse 44 the last part of the verse because thou knewest not the time of thy visitation can I please say to you timing is everything they lost their shout they lost their joy because they didn't realize what time it was notice the time of thy visitation Christ is mentioned of having three visitations to this earth. 
They did not know that there was more than one. They were looking for the king in Revelation 19. When he presented himself as Zechariah's king in Zechariah 9 and 9. The first visitation to this earth was when the word became flesh. And we beheld his glory as the glory of the only begotten Son of God. Notice, if you would please, in Zechariah 9 and 9. And the Bible says, you say, well, I don't know how to find it. I'll tell you how, just listen. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass, a, upon a colt and fowl, a foal of the ass. And so here, at this particular time, at the great triumphant entry, Jesus Christ is presenting himself as the king of the Jew to fulfill prophecy. And he's riding in Jerusalem, low, meek, as a riding on a white colt. And the purpose for him coming, look in your Bible, Luke 19, Luke 19 and verse number 10. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. This time, Jesus comes as a Savior. He comes by way of a virgin, by way of a virgin birth, born in a stable, there identified as the three wise men saw him and Simeon looked on him and said, now I've seen the salvation of the Lord. The first visitation of our Lord was he came to seek and to save that which was lost. You see what I mean? He did not come to set up a kingdom. He come to, re- to redeem a lost fallen race of humanity. He came seeking and saved that which was lost. Is anybody here glad that Jesus came and that he came and died in our place that we might have eternal life? Is there anybody glad of that? Well, now that's the first visitation. And what happened is Israel did not have the timing right. Can I show you please The second, look in your Bible, Acts chapter number 1 and verse 11. And the Bible says that Jesus was standing before his disciples after the resurrection, after he had given the great commission. And the Bible says in Acts chapter 1, and the Bible says in verse 9, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, beheld two men stood by them in white apparel. And which also said, ye men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? Now notice. The same Jesus, which is taken up from you 
into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go up into heaven. I turn now to the book of 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 and we get a glimpse of our Lord's second visitation, if you please. We look at verse number 13. The Bible said, God said, you folk lost your joy because you only saw the parade. (laughs) Parade won't make it. Coming to church ain't going to get it. You need to come to Christ and be born again, and then you'll have a reason to come to church. And so they got the visitation wrong. Notice the next visitation. And the Bible said, I would not have you, I would not have you to be ignorant brethren. Maybe there's a lot of brethren that are ignorant. I have no idea. God said it. Concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not even as others have, which have no hope. Have you ever seen folk go to the grave, graveyards and go to funerals and look into a casket and just bewail it and just boo-hoo and, oh, I don't know, sorrowing like those that have no hope. Hey, man, when I put my daddy in the ground, I said, thank God he ain't got to suffer no more. And thank God there's a land that is fairer than day. And thank God my daddy has gone to be with the Lord. How can I be sad about that? So God does not want you and I to sorrow as those sorrow who have no hope. Bless your heart. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. Are you listening to me? Now, if the Lord were to come back right today, I know somewhere back in that that career, that parade, my daddy would be on a white horse and he'd be riding back with Jesus. Amen. And if I go before the Lord come back, look out. I'm going to be up front yelling. You should have got saved. I told you so. Now it's too late. You listen at the rapture. You'll hear me. I told you so. Verse 15, for this we say unto you, by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend. That'd fix your problems, wouldn't it? That'd fix all your headaches, wouldn't it? That would fix all your sorrows, wouldn't it? Hey, we're looking for the upper taker, not the undertaker. Come on now. I'm saying to you folks, they got the visitation mixed up. They got the wrong visit mixed up. They were looking not for a, for a savior. They were looking for a king. But what they needed was a savior, not a king. They were looking at their circumstances and forgot all about their condition. Is anybody here that way? Well, Lord, I just got a lot of problems. I don't know why everything's going wrong. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe you're just a sinner that needs Christ. Maybe you need help just like I need help. Maybe you need somebody to console you, to guide you, to help you, and move you along life's way. Hey, look, the Bible said it is not in man to direct his own steps. And so the second visitation, the Lord's going to come in the clouds of the air. 
And he's going to step out on the ledge of nothing. Have you ever stepped on nothing and stood there? And the Lord's going to step out on the ledge of nothing. And with a shout, he's going to yell, come up hither. You folks that don't believe in shouting in church, I don't know what you're going to do about that, Bill. And all of God's people are going to take off to heaven. Not at the speed of light, but at the speed of thought. The speed of thought. You think it. You're there. (laughs) And we're going to meet the Lord in the air. And we're going to get us a brand new body. Because the one you got is not fit for heaven. This body cannot stand the pressure of the speed of thought. Have you ever been in a car and the G's set you back in the seat? Have you ever been in an airplane where it takes off and it gets your belt set you back in your seat that's not even the speed of sound that's not even the speed of light I'm talking about the speed of thought we're there in the presence of God he's coming back for his own the second time notice if you would please the first time he came To his own. The second time he'll come for his own. Revelation 19. This time he's coming back with his own. That ought to preach. Notice verse 11. And I saw heaven open. That's only the second time heaven's been open. Revelation chapter 4, when the rapture takes place, John said, I see heaven open. That's when we went out. John then says, I see heaven open. That's when we come back. And I saw heaven open. And behold, a white horse. Notice, no more white coats. No more white coats. A king would ride into town and the watchman on the wall would be looking and as he crossed the horizon, the steed that he rode dictated why he was coming. If it's on a white mule, they could say peace. He's coming in peace. Last time he was the prince of peace. Amen. He came that we might have peace. Peace with God. Peace with ourselves. Peace with others. He is the Prince of Peace. But now if the king came across the horizon and he was on a white stallion, he was not coming to peace. He was coming to rage war. He was coming to conquer. He was coming to spoil. We read earlier about the parade. He came meek and lowly on the colt of an ass. And I saw heaven open. And behold, 
what's the first thing they saw? Because that dictated why he was coming. Now this time he comes, you won't be voting on him. You'll not be able to impeach him. And you won't want to take down the Ten Commandments. They'll be trying to put them up. And behold a white horse. And he that sat on him was faithful. He was called faithful and true. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. You see, the crowd that we spoke of earlier, this was what they were expecting. They were expecting a conquering king. They were expecting him to come and begin the conflict that would, that would free them from their Roman bondage. They didn't realize they had a bigger need than Rome's slavery. They were in slavery by sin. And the first time he come to deal with sin, he came as a savior. Second time he comes, he comes to take us out. And the Bible says his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. He was clothed with vestures dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. And the armies which were in heaven followed him. Where did the armies come from? When he came back the second time. He took us out. We are his army. If you can't ride a horse, come over to the house. I'll give you some lessons. That way you won't fall off at the second coming. Because <laughs> I know Baptists. I, I know some guys will say, just a minute, Lord, I got to fix my cinch. <laughs> you always got some excuse, right? And the Bible said, And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Preacher, do you believe those are horses? How do you spell horse? <laughs> These are hybrid, supernatural, gemonelli, get on with it, hurry up and get there, kind of horses. Now of his mouth goeth a sharp two-edged sword, with it he should smite the nations. Now that's what they were expecting. They got the parade confused with the circus. They, was compu- they were confused about the real need. They needed a savior. Their problem was sin, not wrong. And I don't know about you, 
But your problem is not somebody else. Your problem is you. The problem is, is you've got a sinful nature given to you by Adam and Eve. And you say, well, I didn't know them. Did you know your great-great-grandfather? Do you know if your great-great-grandfather had not have had any children, neither would you. Now, if you don't learn anything else from me, you need to get that down, right, Jim? Now, Jim knew he'd come out of his grandfather because that's as far as I've ever gone back. But I thought I'd just go back a little while. And so if your great-great-grandfather had children, and because he had children, uh, your grandfather had children, and that's because your father had children, and then you come. Could that mean that you at one time were in your grandfather, your great-grandfather, your great-great-grandfather, all the way back to the Garden of Eden to where you came from. And the Bible said, wherefore, as one man, Adam, sin entered the world, so death by sin, so that all have sin. See, they, they just saw the parade and they shouted at the parade. They came to church and they heard the quartet sing and a tear filled their eye. And they went home thinking they'd been to the circus. When actually, they'd just been to the parade. And when trouble comes and sorrow comes and disagreements come, the parade won't get it. If your relationship is just with this church are just with a neighbor that comes to this church. You need a relationship with Christ. You see, they lost their shout because they did not recognize his purpose. Wasn't that pretty good? Was that good enough for me to go on? And before you wake up, let me give you this point. They lost their shout because they refused his terms. They refused to accept his terms. Yeah. In verse 42, the Bible said, if thou hadst known. Yeah. Luke 19. If thou hadst known. You like that? If thou hadst known, even thou, at least this thy day, the things which belong to thy peace, blinded, didn't know, blinded by religion called Judaism, blinded by Pride. Well, I'd go down there, but I've been a member of the church for 20 years. I'd get saved, but boy, that awful being embarrassed. Blinded. Blinded by tradition. Blinded by pride. Blinded by the world and its philosophy. Looking for peace. 
but rejected the Prince of Peace. Could I please change that around? We have the Prince of Peace, but we do not have peace. Come on now, can anybody say amen? Now this one talking about this one, this one mad at this one, this one judging this one, and they on and on and on. And we say we've got the Prince of Peace, but my God, we do not have peace. You spend half your income on uppers and downers trying to get you outers. <laughs> Most Baptists can go 90 miles an hour down the highway and throw a pill at a telephone pole and catch it in the mouth as they go by. Of course, it's prescription. That fixes it, don't you? The doctor told me I need it. Well, I'm a doctor saying you don't need it. I'm saying that thou shalt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Trust in the Lord Jehovah for in him is everlasting strength. I'm just saying you need to throw the Valium away and get in the word of God and get the Holy Spirit in you and then you can have peace. And here these folks are looking for peace, peace. And here the Prince of Peace is right before them. And they refuse. They refuse to do what he says. To a child of God. Who disobedient in any fashion. There is no peace. God will not bless your disobedience. For him to bless your disobedience is to encourage more disobedience. Unless you accept Christ on his terms, there will be no terms. And timing is everything. The Bible said, no man come to the Father but by me. And the Bible says, what's wrong today is everybody just gets a sob story and think they can cry their way into heaven. Buddy, if God has nothing to do with it, you're lost. If the Holy Spirit of God was not there convicting, and if there was not some sorrow, godly sorrow for sin, and you're not sorry that you got caught, no, you're sorry, you've sinned against the Holy God, and you come to God saying, Lord, I'm sorry, I've sinned, you repent and have faith, you're saved. Been to the circus? Or just the parade. See, you go to the parade, you don't have to come to church tonight. You're just a parade goer, you won't be here Wednesday night. You're just a parade goer, you won't want to serve God. You're just going to the parade because you want to go. Problem is, we just got so many folks It's going to the parade. And are satisfied. And they go back home and said, boy, what a show. Brother Jim was such a good participant in the service. And the preacher almost had a heart attack. He's out of breath like he'd been running coon dogs all night. And Brother Pickett, smooth. Is that why you hear the parade? Because there's more to it. Are you one of those that reject his terms? 
You serve God on your terms. You give what you think you ought to give instead of what he says you ought to give. You leave in evangelism to everybody else. Soul winning is what the preacher does. I close. You said, I'm glad. <laughs> they lost their shout. They lost their praise. They lost their joy because they did not realize that what they were doing would bring judgment. Verse 43 and 44, I close. Listen to these verses. They, they, they're heart wrenchers. And the Bible says, For the day shall come upon thee, that thine enemies shall cast a trench around about thee. Talking about the city of Jerusalem and the Jewish nation. Now he's talking particularly about the Jewish nation, I mean Jerusalem. Thine enemies shall cast a trench around about thee, and come past thee round. And shall keep thee on every side. Now listen. And shall lay thee even with the ground. And thy children within thee. And they shall not leave in thee one stone upon another. Because thou knewest not the time. Of thy visitation. Twenty-seven years later. Titus. The Roman emperor. Invaded Jerusalem. Josephus. The Jewish historian. Wrote that a million Jews. Were killed and slaughtered. And that the blood in Jerusalem ran like water till it ran down the steps of the temple freely in the streets. And the temple of God was completely destroyed. And inside the city, parents were eating their own babies. I guess people think That God don't mean what he says. I ask you today. In closing. How does all of this apply. To us. Question. Has your singing stopped? Has your joy. Left. Has your desire to be in God's house and listen to God's word, regardless of who's speaking, is there still a desire in your heart? Are you looking for peace in all the wrong places? Remember I said something? Timing is everything. If you're here today and you've listened and heard that God loves you just like you are, that nobody in this place is any better than anybody else, 
If you go out in a parking lot, you notice they ain't. There's no parking place that says reserved for Dr. Wolfenbarger and reserved for Nurse Jim. (laughs) No, listen. We're all just sinners in need of a Savior. Timing is everything. If you're here today, so is God. You've heard the message. God wants to save you. God has died to save you. He lives to save you. And a living God can save you. You say, save me from what? To save you from hell. To save you from an eternal death in a fiery place that Jesus called hell. Now, I said timing is everything. Seek ye the Lord while he may be found. Call ye upon him while he is near. Now listen, I'm done. Have you heard or felt a knock on your heart? You know what you need to do? You need to open. The Bible says, behold, God is speaking. I stand at the door and knock. He's talking about our heart's door. And he said, if any man will open, I will come in. Isn't that a wonderful promise? If you want to go to heaven... And you realize that you've sinned. And you would like complete forgiveness of that sin. God says, open the door. I'm knocking. And then he said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved.